From the 97.7 WAOV studios at 6th and Busserin Streets in downtown Vincennes, it's time now for Legal News and Views. Now, here's Dave Rolligan and Jeff Cobb with Legal News and Views. Welcome to Legal News and Views. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And we're live downtown Vincennes at the old Brevoort House, corner of 6th and Busserin. You can come visit us, but... Uh, by far the easiest way is to give us a call, 812-882-3737. Let us know what you want to talk about, especially if it's legal related, and then uh, make the show a lot more interesting probably. Otherwise, we'll help you with your homework. Dave and I go about our merry way talking about uh, legal news uh, that uh, and giving opinions, views, uh, on those cases uh, that interest us. Yes? Oh, I thought you would start. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, this is going to take a little explaining. Uh, it's take all a, the time you need. It's a case headed to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, but it's not one of those with the big headlines. It involves um, what is known as a tester. And in this case, the tester is Deborah Lawfer. Now, uh, Mrs. Lawfer apparently has difficulty walking without assistance and is vision impaired, which makes her the perfect plaintiff for any claims against other individuals or entities under the Americans Disabilities Act. And apparently, one law firm there in the East Coast have filed over 600 ADA, American Disability Act, lawsuits with Mrs. Lawfer as the plaintiff, uh, mostly against hotels, claiming that they violate the American Disabilities Act by not having on their website sufficient information uh, for people with disabilities. Uh, What they normally do is they request uh, legal fees and after being paid legal fees, settle the case, I guess, fairly cheaply because they're filing so many of these. Uh, one particular case in Maine was Atchison Hotels. A law firm filed a lawsuit saying their website did not comply with the ADA. The trial court threw it out, saying that she lacked standing. That means that she didn't have any damages because... She never set foot in the hotel. She never used the website. It was not important. Uh, however, the First Circuit Court of Appeals reversed. Now, there's a split in the Circuit Court of Appeals, some saying these plaintiffs have standing, some saying they do not, which is exactly why you have a Supreme Court. So the case was headed to the United States Supreme Court, which didn't set well with the law firms representing Mrs. Lawford because, well, if they didn't have standing, uh, they would lose like 600 cases right away. So they uh, dismissed their lawsuit. They they said, we quit. Uh, even though we won at the Court of Appeals, we don't uh, want to go to the Supreme Court, so we quit. And the issue is mute, and the Supreme Court should not hear it. Now, this uh, actually is a technique that has worked before in the Supreme Court. New York City had a gun law that was clearly unconstitutional and headed to the Supreme Court, and New York City repealed the gun law, uh, and the Supreme Court bought it saying, well, we don't have to decide this because it's moot. 
But right now, the Supreme Court still is determining whether or not to take the, the law for case. Uh, by the way, the main attorney representing Deborah Lawford, uh, Tristan Gillespie, uh, has been disciplined uh, for violating lawyers' ethical code uh, not once, not twice, but hundreds of times. Uh, some of the complaints filed had the same typos and misspellings, including uh, this one complaint that was filed 16 times in one day against 16 different hotels. Um, obviously not uh, a good look for the legal community. That's similar to a case I think we did a while back where a guy literally would just go on Google Maps or Google Google Earth and, and look at the aerial photos and then sue them, saying you don't have enough parking spaces or you don't have enough handicapped spaces, never went, never intended to go. And you get these factory law firms that sue hundreds of unwitting uh, defendants who may not even have heard of the law you're using, and they just, like you say, for a quick buck, to which I'm appalled uh, that we haven't done that. Well, you, you might say... <laughs> you and me, Jeff. You and me. Well, what's in this for Deborah Lawfer? Uh, because typically they just pay attorney fees. They don't pay damages, mainly because there are no damages. Uh, well, uh, the, the law firms... Um, um, there was a trial court case where the judge actually went into this. He found out that the law firms were paying a quote-unquote investigator several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, the investigator turns out to be married to Deborah Lawfer's daughter. Um, so, so she still gets nothing. Well, clearly a member of her family has gotten some money. But they're not sure if any of it flowed through to Deborah Lawfer. Here's some story with um, some dating advice and red flags planted as we go. An Elk Grove mom and her adult son face serious charges, including attempted murder after an alleged domestic violence at their home last week. Uh, caused the officers to show up, investigated, found drugs, guns, and more than $100,000 in cash laying around. Z Wu Lu. 37 and his mom, Yu Yan Wang, 61, have been in custody in the Sacramento, Sacramento County Jail since they were arrested. Uh, apparently, they went there after a 911 call. Officer learned that there had been a dispute between Lou's a girlfriend, he's the son, who does not live with his girlfriend, and Lou's mother, who does live with her son. Red flag number one your boyfriend's living with mom. Police said the dispute escalated when the mother slapped his girlfriend. And so instead of defending his girlfriend, the man then pushed the girlfriend to the ground, choked her, according to the police department. The boyfriend and his mom allegedly threatened to harm her if she notified the police for this ill treatment. Uh, somehow she was able to contact 911, but then it was a hang-up call. So after they got a search warrant, they found more than 135 in cash, thousand in cash, two pounds of a suspected controlled substance, 52 pounds of processed marijuana packaged for sale, two handguns, and a short barrel rifle. They found this when uh, they met the victim outside, and she said, I'm cold. I need to go in and get a coat. So police, being gentlemen, escorted her back into the house where a lot of the stuff was just laying around in open view. So 
red flag. Boyfriend lives with mom. Probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Boyfriend has $130,000 of cash laying around and 52 pounds of marijuana. You may want to look elsewhere. Just uh, weapons. 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 Um, this is a follow-up. I think we did this story back in October of 2022. A California man, Philip White, went in and purchased a bottle of Texas Pete hot sauce for about $3 at a Los Angeles supermarket. After learning the hot sauce was made in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, he filed a lawsuit claiming false advertising. This is not too far distant from what we just talked about, tester lawsuits. Um, It was filed there in the California District Court. Uh, And, of course, the the maker of the hot sauce uh, filed a motion to dismiss, saying, wait a minute, there's a label on the bottle that says the product is made in North Carolina. Other than the name Texas Pete, you know, there might be, I think there was somebody on the front of the label with a a rope and a lariat uh, and a single star, uh, and uh, how could he be misled? And not to mention, it cost him three bucks. Um, they said on their website that the founder always has lived in North Carolina. He just wanted a name that made it sound spicy. And Texas, with its reputation of spicy cuisine, came up along with the nickname for his grandson. Uh, judge, get this one. Mommy Uwezi Mensa Frimpong denied the motion to dismiss, saying that it is reasonable for customers to believe erroneously that the product originated in Texas. So the case is going to go to trial. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a jury trial or in front of the judge, uh, but uh, I, we've had other situations similar, I guess, what is it? People claiming half-pound hamburgers are not really half-pound. Of course, when they cook, they they shrink. Uh, and similar, you have similar lawsuits across so the country. He's saying because he was misled, even though the label said "made in North Carolina." That's right. I don't like it. There'll be more legal news and views. Ninety-seven three FM, ninety-seven seven FM, fourteen fifty AM. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Advertising on radio offers several advantages to make it a valuable marketing channel for businesses. Number one, a wide reach. Radio has a broad reach, reaching millions of listeners across different demographics and geographic areas. Targeted audience. Radio stations often cater to specific demographics or target markets. It's cost-effective. Radio advertising can be more cost-effective compared to other traditional media channels like television. This makes it a viable option for businesses with smaller advertising budgets. Frequency and repetition. Radio allows for frequent and repetitive exposure to your message. Immediacy and localism. Radio provides real-time information and local content, making it a popular choice for immediate promotions and local advertising. Flexibility and creativity. Radio ads offer flexibility in terms of ad duration and format. This flexibility allows for creative storytelling, engaging jingles, or even celebrity endorsements, depending on the objective and budget of the campaign. Mobile and on-the-go audiences. 
Radio is a mobile medium often consumed while people are commuting, driving, or engaging in other activities. This means your message can reach a captive audience during key moments when they're receptive to hearing about products, services, and promotions. And lastly, emotional connection. Radio has the ability to create an emotional connection with listeners through voice, sound effects, and music. Well-crafted radio ads can evoke emotions and capture attention, enabling advertisers to establish a deep connection with their target audience. To learn more about advertising with TOC Direct Media, visit OriginalCompany.com. And we're back. Legal News and Views. I'm Jeff. Dave here. Uh, It's still time for you to join us, 812-882-3737. Let us know what you want to talk about. I want to talk about the Gilgo Beach suspected murderer. Serial killer. (coughs) Allegedly. I don't know, is three or four enough for a serial, or is it more of just a short-run feature? I think more than one is a serial killer. No, I think they got rules about that. his attorney, Rex Hermans, argues that the uh, damning evidence, which was uh, some pizza crust and a napkin, uh, where they got some DNA that connected him to some of these unfortunate women who were uh, found murdered, they said you cannot connect him to having ever touched this stuff. There's no evidence, there's no probable cause to say they ever had the pizza or they ever touched the napkin. And it's a, you know, a pretty decent argument, and they were arguing uh, with the court because the state wants to uh, get an actual uh, sample of his DNA, and they're resisting, saying they don't have uh, no cause. Uh, and the state apparently concedes they don't have evidence establishing that the defendant actually ever came into contact with the pizza or the used napkin found in a discarded pizza box. Now, that's a technicality. But if DNA near a pizza that you had just been around matches the DNA found on a dead woman. What are the odds? <laughs> Someone they, else threw away uh, that. No, they will actually give you the odds, and sometimes it's like one in a million. Yeah, it wasn't me, but there's a strange-looking guy. <laughs> you know any well, my, hookers I can my, kill? My doppelganger over here. They're also looking at uh, this guy for other missing women and other... Of uh, unidentified or dead bodies, where places where he may have been, and apparently a lot of these people went missing coincidentally when his wife and kids were out of town. Nope, you go ahead, honey. I got my hobby. See you later. Have a good weekend. Bye bye, or something like that. That part was made up. I've never talked to Rex. <laughs> Mary McCarthy, a Los Angeles resident, flew to Denver for her brother's funeral, took with her her daughter, Mora, or Moira, M-O-I-R-A. That's that Irish pronunciation. uh, Who uh, is a a child of mixed race. In other words, Mary is Caucasian, and uh, obviously the father uh, was of um, black. Uh, That prompted an employee of the Southwest Airline to call the Denver police and claimed McCarthy was suspected of child trafficking. So as she left the plane and was walking down the jet bridge to the terminal, the Denver police stopped her and interrogated her. 
And this, as you may suspect, leads to a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court in Colorado. Uh, the only reason there was suspicion is because the child was biracial. Um, the child would apparently broke down in, tour, in tears during the questioning. And uh, so the lawsuit claims that she and her daughter were caused severe emotional distress with the display of blatant racism. Now, you, you, this is probably a difficult area. Um, there, is, there are laws, Indiana has them as well, that do require reporting of any observed um, child abuse. Um, but this, this goes way too far. That's similar to a story. <clears throat> I don't, I'm not sure I have it queued up, but uh, I think it was a pregnant woman that was arrested based upon facial recognition software, and she had nothing to do with it, and she's suing one of these larger cities because, you know, if, if that computer says, yeah, it's this person, your protestations to the contrary probably fall on deaf ears. And there's a lawsuit I just saw today filed in Indiana by my old good friend Ken Falk when I worked for the state. He would sue Indiana all the time. It's the Indiana Civil Liberties Union. Great lawyer. He's suing uh, a new law, which I did not know about. Apparently it went into effect in Indiana on July 1 that says you cannot get within 25 feet of police when they're doing anything, arresting someone, investigating anything, no video, no nothing within 25 feet. And they have a client who, you know, has YouTube or Internet presence, and uh, he's kind of a gadfly, and he likes to, you know, film the police and, you know, hold them to task, hold them accountable. And, and then you have one cop come up and pushed him back to what he said was 25 feet, and another cop said, this is my crime scene, go back another 25 feet. This has just happened since July. And I think the ACLU, which I'm not usually a cheerleader for, makes a good point that if, you, if the citizens cannot police the police, then right. uh, that's a problem, and they should not have anything to hide as long as the uh, citizen videographer is not interfering with them. Uh, so I think that's just part of the job in today's world where everybody and every building has a camera on it somewhere. The judge sanctioned the Southwest Airlines, uh, writing that the airline twisted his word and disregarded his order in the case of a flight attendant, claimed that she was fired for expressing her opposition to abortion. Not exactly sure on the process of boarding a plane why, why that would come up, but U.S. District Judge Brantley Starr found Southwest in contempt for the way it explained the case to flight attendants last year after losing a jury verdict. In a blistering 29-page order, the judge said the airline acted as if its own policy limiting what employees can say is more important than federal law. This guy was upset. He ordered the, them to pay uh, the flight attendant's most recent legal costs, dictated a statement for Southwest to actually tell employees about, and ordered three Southwest lawyers to complete what he called religious liberty training, from a conservative Christian legal advocacy group, which some people have said the judge sentenced these lawyers to go learn stuff from a, a, a right-wing hate group. <laughs> that might get appealed. It sounds like the judge took that personally. 
<laughs> Mr. Cobb, here's your seat. And by the way, I'm against abortion. Yes. Would you like a Coke with that? Yeah. How does that come up? Judges, being human beings, do take things personally sometimes. Yep. I remember when I said gavel monkeys. Uh, they, they called into the show, so we got a call. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get another one. Which, by the way, is 882-3737. Uh, Jewel Langford, in 1975, wowzers, almost 50 years ago, moved from Jackson, Tennessee to Montreal uh, and moved in with um, uh, Mervyn Nichols, who was then 32 years of age. She disappeared in June of 1975 and never heard from again. All of her belongings, including her Cadillac, remained at her home in Montreal. Uh, the body was found partially nude, hands, feet bound with neckties, 24-inch piece of black plastic coaxial cable around her neck. She died of strangulation. It wasn't until 2021 that they actually identified who she was. Uh, they exhumed the body and apparently were able to uh, get some DNA and, and determine. They were also able to get DNA uh, apparently from um, um, Mervyn Nichols uh, because that led them to him. He was a resident of Montreal but had since moved to Florida and when confronted Mervyn Nichols, now 81, confessed. He said he's happy uh, that he can get a, off his conscience, uh, and he has waived extradition back to Montreal and uh, will be tried for murder in Canada. DNA <clears throat> is an amazing thing. Uh, <clears throat> insult to injury. Uh, the city in Atlanta demolished this guy's house, and now they're trying to foreclose on the property to pay for the $68,000 it cost the city to demolish the house. That happens all the time. Unfortunately, though, the whole time the city had the wrong address on the paperwork. They tore down this guy's house, and it was the wrong house. And despite that, they're doubling down and saying, you owe us for tearing down your house by mistake. <clears throat> Nothing but an empty lot now, but uh, the city's threatening a lawsuit to take it away. I imagine that property maybe uh, have some value. <clears throat> when I first got the letter, he says, I thought maybe it was a letter of apology. Maybe they were going to pay me back. But nope, they're taking me to court to pay for tearing down my house, which was not supposed to be turned down. Uh, the official demolition hearing notice was for Lawton Avenue. But this guy's home was on Lawton Street, which is even in a different zip code, about a mile and a half away. A, re a review of the city's demolition process reported to the council in April found that some property owners were unaware their homes were up for demolition. Well, you wouldn't be if they were sending these notices to the wrong address. Uh, the amount plus interest, $68,000. Uh, He's also filed a lawsuit against the city that's still stuck in the Fulton County court system. It sounds like a nightmare to me. Now, it may be just property he owned, and my guess is, having not been there, not seen it, it may have been a little dilapidated. If it's a really nice two-story brick home, 
people obviously living there, the contractor may say, you know, I'm on inquiry notice. Maybe I shouldn't tear this down. How about uh, let's go to the half-hour break early uh, here on Legal News and Views, 97.3 FM, 97.7 FM, 1450 AM. Uh, You can call with your questions, 812-882-3737, and we'll be back with what you want to know. And we're back, Legal News and Views. I'm Jeff. That makes me Dave. And it's time now for that regularly scheduled segment of the program known as Least Competent Criminals. All right. Well, we got uh, from the archives. No recent ones, but uh, this back 2008. Uh, William Jarrett in Hempstead Village, New York. Uh, he's 38 years of age. Uh, he ripped a necklace from a 32-year-old pregnant woman and ran off. The pregnant woman... Ran him down, chased him for six blocks, caught up with him just as a police officer. Uh, If you're going to do that kind of a crime, you might want to be in better shape. So let's go now to Dublin, Georgia. Uh, And uh, Chad Blue was shot uh, in 2006, but at the time he said, I'm not real sure who shot me. Not clear what the facts were, but Chad Blue later heard a song by a rapper. Rico Todriguez Wright. It's called Hitting Licks for a Living. And the rap singer sings, Chad Blue knows how I shoot. That's when Chad Blue realized uh, Wright's the one who shot him. And that got Wright 20 years in prison, uh, just for, in a sense, confessing through his lyrics. Um, Then we have a 49-year-old Leavenworth, Kansas man, using a front-end loader, and he was going to pick up an ATM, and he drove to the edge of a 50-foot embankment to drop the ATM, hoping that it would break apart and he'd get the cash. Instead, he, the loader, and the ATM all crashed to the bottom. And then finally we go to Exeter, England. Uh, Nikki Riley, age 22, had converted to the Muslim faith and decided he was going to detonate a terrorist homemade nail bomb in a restaurant. Uh, the plan failed when Nikki triggered the bomb in the men's room. And of course, it's a nail bomb, and he couldn't get out afterwards. He had nailed the door shut. Nailed it. Uh, his lawyer called him perhaps the least cunning person ever to be charged with terror. <clears throat> I have one from Copenhagen, Denmark. Don't get many criminals there. Fr- a Finnish man supposedly stored 26 and a half pounds of dynamite in two cars belonging to a friend saying it was a joke. <laughs> the owner of the two cars didn't think it was funny, called the cops who briefly detained the potential prankster. He was eventually freed but remains a suspect. He admitted to placing the explosives on August 3rd in cars but said, well, I didn't intend to blow them up. I don't know what the plan was. Police have ruled out any terrorist intent and they expect that he will be uh, charged. And that brings to an end this week's Least Competent Criminals. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, somewhat related, I have a story from Sacramento County, California. Uh, Footage from a security camera shows an unidentified individual driving a forklift. Uh, and he just takes the 
um, prongs the forklift and drives him into the ATM. He lifts the ATM and eventually, apparently with some difficulty, puts it in the back of a waiting pickup truck. Now, this could almost be incompetent criminals, except they weren't caught yet. Uh, the pickup truck drives away, but the ATM machine fell out of the truck, uh, causing an unrelated traffic crash. This caused the two suspects to leave the truck and run away, uh, and so far have made their escape. Uh, this is not the first instance we've reported, not to mention our incompetent criminals, of people uh, looking on ATMs, which oftentimes have as much as $20,000 worth of cash in them, uh, as easy targets. But as we've reported in the past, uh, they're, they're like safes. Uh, they, they are not easy to open, uh, nor to get to the cash. Was that on Breaking Bad where the people stole the uh, ATM and they're wailing away on it and somehow it falls over and smashes the guy's skull into like dropping a watermelon? Oh, I, I, uh, okay. I, not uh, not a uh, fan of the show. <clears throat> it's awesome. A Florida man was arrested after he registered a Porsche 930 Turbo, which apparently was stolen from a museum. <clears throat> Fraud charges in the case of a stolen 1977 Porsche 911 Turbo. The car was taken from the Sarasota Classic Car Museum back in June. And the man allegedly used the VIN number from another vintage 911 out of California Salvage Yard to register the car. Police responded to the museum after the burglar alarm was tripped during early morning of June 14th. According to the arrest records, Police were unable to make contact with the museum employee at the time and eventually initially determined the building was secure. It surely wasn't, however, as the officers would return later and find the pry marks on one of the doorways and the Porsche was gone. Uh, it's a, kind of a special car. It's obviously a vintage, uh, an early 3.0 liter uh, vehicle, which is highly sought after by collectors. The museum valued the car at a quarter million dollars. Police were later able to briefly locate on uh, surveillance footage and able to determine much headway beyond that. So the fake VIN and trying to register a stolen quarter million dollar car may have, may have overthought this. Roby Johnson uh, was a soldier stationed in Germany along uh, with his family, his wife, Melody Feliciano Johnson. Uh, apparently, uh, not necessarily a, a close relationship. And as he drank his coffee for two or three weeks in Germany, he uh, noticed that it tasted a little odd. Um, so he got some pool testing strips. Uh, tap water came back normal, but uh, his coffee contained high levels of chlorine. Uh, he pretended to drink the coffee and waited till the family moved back to Tucson, Arizona. Uh, in Tucson, he filed a report with the police, but the police said, eh, you got to have evidence. So he set up a video camera uh, where his wife made the coffee. Uh, and lo and behold, the video camera showed her pouring bleach into the coffee machine before brewing. 
Melody Feliciano Johnson, age 39, has now been arrested and charged with attempted first-degree murder, aggravated assault, and adding harmful substances to food, drink, or medicine. She has a $250,000 bond. Will this bleached beef be a stain on her record? Ah, ouch. I don't guess I get to do that story now. Uh, You can if you wish. An Illinois judge heard arguments Monday on a dad's request to dismiss charges accusing him of committing a crime by helping his son obtain a gun license. Three years before he, the son fatally shot seven people at the 4th of July parade, a tragic shooting, and they're trying to prosecute the dad saying that you signed an affidavit to help your kid get a gun three years ago, so you are liable. The judge said at the hearing in Waukegan, north of Highland Park, where the shooting occurred, that he would issue a ruling uh, by August 28th. The lawyer told the court that his client was charged under an unconstitutionally vague law. He said prosecutors charged this guy for innocent conduct, signing a completely truthful affidavit three years ago. Uh, Turned out that the kid should not have had a gun, but is that the dad's fault? Um... The mother of the six-year-old who shot the uh, teacher, I think, has been charged and pled guilty, but apparently she also they also found a bunch of drugs in her house, and she may have had a marijuana issue that uh, helped that. Um, it's, Lake County uh, rejects Gonzalez's argument and allows the case to proceed. He would uh, have a bench trial that starts on November 6th. Um, so they're saying that they, you know, murder is not one of the things covered. Uh, <laughs> there's no way that you can codify everything the judge says, which is correct. And I don't think anyone's been prosecuted like this. The, the conduct would be such that someone would be uh, harmed or disfigured. And the prosecutor thought, well, dead ought to qualify for that. And on a related note, do you remember the lady who was triple the uh, legal limit of alcohol and yeah. killed the bride on her wedding day yes. in a golf cart. They have video calls to her dad saying, oh, I don't want to go to jail for 15 years and all about her and not the terrible, horrendous act. And, uh, my gosh, she was saying, that if, when I get out, people are going to be mean to me. And the dad said, oh, don't worry, we're going to take care of this. Turns out dad's a multimillionaire. Oh. So she may have been privileged and overserved in life in addition to drinking. Okay. Terrible, terrible tragedy. And uh, But her entitled whining, uh, which was on national television, is not going to help her case when the jury not a bit. sees that. Uh, Delray, Ray Beach, Florida. Um, people uh, familiar with Florida know about the Intracoastal Waterway. It's a canal that flows parallel to Florida's Atlantic. Isn't Gulf. that the surgery you had a few years back? The no. inter- intercoastal something? No. no. The intercoastal waterway is a canal. Uh, it was a canal. I'm that flows parallel you. to the Florida's Atlantic and Gulf of Mexico coast. Lots of nice homes and private docks. Uh, floating in that waterway was a suitcase with a foot protruding through the zipper. Uh, that caused a search which led to two more suitcases containing body parts as well. All three suitcases had body parts from the same individual. 
that uh, led to um, uh, a DNA search, and that led to determining that the individual was 81 year old, um, at Adile Barbosa Fontes. Where did you find these names? <laughs> That's Joe me. Smith. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and she, at the time uh, of her disappearance, was married to William Lowe, age 78, which, of course, we're going to go talk to William. Uh, police uh, did talk to William, and he said, oh, she's down in Brazil for two or three weeks, uh, and I'm not sure when she's coming back, if she's ever coming back. Uh, that led him to do more research uh, and get a um, search warrant uh, where they found blood in every room of the house, cleaning supplies, and a 9 millimeter gun. Uh, Lowe was then caught trying to enter uh, uh, another home through a window, which police then got a search warrant for, and they found a chainsaw with blood on the blade. Uh, Lowe was then arrested that night. Uh, he's not yet confessed, but he's being held without bond at the Palm Beach County Detention Center. I think that takes us to our final break here on Legal News and Views. 97.3, 97.7 FM, 1450 AM. Give us a call over the break, 812-882-3737, and you will be the priority when we get back. To network Indiana. Staying connected is important in today's world. Whether it's hearing the news of a new baby in the family or calling work to let your boss know you're running late, phone service keeps you connected with your world. At AT&T, we know that some Americans face life every day without the comfort and security of having phone service. In certain areas, you may be able to reduce your phone bill with a lifeline discount if you are in a qualifying low-income household. Additional discounts of up to $25 may be available to those living on federally recognized tribal lands where AT&T offers Lifeline. To find out more about Lifeline and other AT&T products and services, call us at 800-288-2020 or go to att.com slash lifeline if you have access to the Internet. Lifeline is a government benefit program and willfully making false statements to obtain this benefit is punishable by fine or imprisonment and could result in termination of Lifeline service. Lifeline enrollment requires certain eligibility documentation and is non-transferable. Limited to one discount per household. AT&T services including Lifeline are not available in all areas. Other restrictions apply. At WAOV, we are proud to be a part of the Vincent's community. Let us help your local nonprofit club, church, or organization by promoting your group's next event. You can email a flyer to news at originalcompany.com, stop by the Brevoort House at 6th and Mustard Streets, or mail a flyer to Post Office Box 242, Vincennes, Indiana, 47591. Proud to be a Knox County community staple, we are 97.7 WAOV. Is your network not performing like it should? Do you need expert advice on how to better your business's network, large or small? In need of technical support, but don't want to add the cost of headcount to your bottom line? IntelliSend Managed Services is more than your local broadband and voice provider. From basic internet connection to network integration and management, let our experts support you every step of the way. Don't know where to start? Give RTC Communications a call at 812-486-3211 for a consultation. And we're back. Legal News and Views. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. Still time for your call, 812-882-3737. A former TikTok influencer and her mom have been found guilty of murdering two men. 
who died in a fireball when their car was rammed off the road during a late night chase. So they've got an influencer, and the mom says, hey, we're going to get rid of this guy. Mayek Burkari, 24, and her mom, Azreen Burkari, 46, were convicted alongside two other defendants of killing Sahab Hussein and his friend Mohammed Hashim Izadun, both aged 21, last February. So you got this, they got the mom, the daughter, and two friends, four people, to kill this one guy who happened to have a friend with him. Uh, the other so two. The guy for the friend was just he bad place damage. Time. Yeah, yeah, he was just giving this guy a ride. We're found guilty of two counts of murder, uh, and they were all found not guilty of murder, but guilty of two counts of manslaughter. And that was the other two guys. Uh, the mom had been having an affair with the 21-year-old, and the prosecution alleged the group had lured him to a car park to confront him over sexual photos and videos he had been using to blackmail her. When Hussein and his friend drove off, the group pursued them at high speed, reaching 100 miles per hour before their car was rammed off the road and exploded when it had hit a tree. So they bumped this guy off the road. They die in a fiery crash. In the, in the moments before the crash, uh, she called uh, what their version of 911 was and claimed that there's guys following me. They've got baklavas on and they're trying to ram me off the road. They're trying to kill me. I'm going to die. Well, if she had not made that phone call, they probably would have never figured out this was a murder plot by these four people. It was the 911 call that they figured out. Yeah, well, this doesn't look like these guys were chasing you. If she had only kept her mouth shut. Yes, agree. Similar to uh, a crew of six men uh, who have now pled guilty in New York uh, to over 200 burglaries. Uh, Willie Baines, 47, Joseph Cartagena, 27, Brandon Calazzo Rivera, 26, Justin Herrera, 23, Douglas Noble, 29, and Alexander Santiago, 28. Apparently, Santiago and Cartagena were the brains of the group, and they called on the others to help them, uh, which from June 2020 to July of 2021, uh, involved over $3 million stolen and at least 54 vehicles. Uh, I think, uh, they think, that the men were motivated by social media because uh, one of the ways they were caught is they were always posting on social media, sometimes what they stole or the money they got for what they stole. Uh, and in uh, the stealing the cars, they often waited for the police to show up so they would then have a high-speed chase not unlike the movie Fast and Furious. Uh, police are happy to get all of the six off of the um, streets. Uh, not sure exactly uh, how long they've been sentenced, but they have all pled guilty. And have been sentenced to prison, but doesn't say how long. A group of German tourists accidentally knocked over a 150-year-old statue to the villa they were renting in Lake Como, Italy. Uh, estimated to be worth $220,000. The tourists were posing for a photo or video with the statue when two of them hugged it, causing it to topple over and shatter. Now, this statue had been there for a long time in a fountain, so they were where they weren't supposed to be doing what they weren't supposed to be doing, and, of course, it's all on video and a security camera. 
one of the uh, tourists may have been a well-known influencer, Janice Danner, who has uh, one and a half million followers on Instagram. The manager of the villa handed over surveillance tape to the police and filed a complaint against the tourist. Uh, when we realized it, it was too late, he told the Italian news uh, service. The boys did not respect the ban on entering the fountain and were filmed by video surveillance camera while two of them embraced the statue, dropping it and destroying it, while four of their cameras were shooting video on their cell phones. There is a little video here, and my guess is that they will probably be able to be, since they were renting it, they'll be able to figure out who did it. And if you have a million and a half viewers and you're an influencer, you probably got a couple of bucks laying around, and, but you can't reconstruct the statue. Aren't we influencers? Yes. And if you were the chief influencer, I would be under the influencer. Ah. Well, not necessarily a legal story. A British couple, Alan Stevens, age 50, planned a surprise 17-day trip for his wife's birthday to the Dominican Republic. Uh, When they arrived, it was clear the resort was not the five-star rating that it was supposed to be. Uh, they went to the pool and saw guests smoking weed in the pool, people having sex in the pool. One this woman is a lot better than five stars, man. Sick all over herself. And another guest actually defecated in the pool. It was disgusting, Stephen says. Uh, they were approached for drugs ten times in the 17 days they were there. Oh and my. a woman fell from a balcony and her, her body was covered by a sheet. And that's all they did. Uh <laughs> They, uh, the travel company has offered them 200 pounds in vouchers, eh, about $200, and counseling credits, which Stevens called a joke. This was 100% the worst holiday we've ever been on. A cautionary tale to those who maybe plan holidays over the Internet. Where did they stay? Um, I guess they didn't have anywhere else to go. It's the Dominican Republic. This is one of them uh, cases we've talked about. This guy was not happy that the Mexican pizza he paid $5.49 for at Taco Bell in New York City last September appeared to contain only half as much beef and bean filling as the photo in the chain's advertising. So, of course, he sued. False advertising. He proposed a class action filed in Brooklyn Federal Court. Accused Taco Bell of deceiving consumers by falsely advertising its Mexican pizza, veggie Mexican pizza, crunch wrap, supreme grand crunch wrap, and vegan crunch wrap as containing at least double their actual contact. They included photos showing food bursting with beef, cheese, and bright red and green vegetables next to the actual photo of smaller, uh, less vibrant food. Uh, they say this is unfair and financially damaging to consumers. You know, I would be tempted to say, are you kidding me? Let's <laughs> say, are you kidding me, defense? And that's why I don't have a gavel. <laughs> You're not a gavel monkey? I am not a gavel monkey. Okay. Well, again, I'm probably stretching the legal news and views, but uh, Kimberly Winter uh, is a Guinness World Record holder for the loudest female burp. She has registered 107.3 on the decibel growler. Now, if you're wondering how loud that is, it's louder than a blender. It's louder than an electric handheld drill. 
And it's even louder than most motorcycles. Put that in my uh, dating red flags. <laughs> she prepared for the event with breakfast, coffee, and beer. Takes a uh, deep breath and tries to manipulate that into something monstrous and magical. She loves to shock strangers with her burps. I love to be loud and proud. Mm. Famously, it was Benjamin Franklin who wrote a book called Fart Proudly. Um, I think it was Shrek that said, better in than out. Or uh, better out than in. According to Ben Franklin, uh, farting was a way of showing your host that you approved of the food. A Nevada man is accused of killing his roommate and continuing to live with the corpse for an extended period of time. George Anthony, oddly named Bone, shortly after they received a report of a dead body at his house in the uh, Enterprise, an unincorporated town uh, near Vegas, not immediately clear who called the police. When the police arrived, they found the body of the victim, who appeared to have been deceased for a long time, Investigators with the department determined the victim was Bone's roommate. Bone was arrested and booked into the Clark County Detention Center for an open murder, police said. He was held without bail and next due in court. I don't know. We've had several stories over the years where people, mother dies, dad dies, friend dies, somebody gets murdered, and they just wrap them up and keep on living. That would be a good place for a stick-up. Jennifer Colandria, or let's, as Dave would say, Jennifer Smith. I like it. I Saint, know her. St. <laughs> Petersburg, Florida. Oh, I hear the music. I don't think we have time for this story. Well, here well, on Legal News and Views. A teaser for next week, if I ever heard one. WAOV. Uh, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave. We'll be back next week, I presume. Thanks for listening. Listening to the Talk of the Town, 97.7 FM and 1450 AM WAOV Vincennes and 97.3 FM WAOV Washington. Fox News, I'm Tom Rigotti. President Biden has approved the disaster declaration for Hawaii following deadly and destructive wildfires on Maui. The president speaking in Salt Lake City this afternoon. We're working as quickly as